0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our brand new podcast called Before the Coats, a podcast where we talk with pre-med students, physicians, and others within the healthcare world to give you insight on what it's like to be a pre-health student and prepare you to pursue a career in the healthcare field. For our podcast today, we've invited some guests from other schools to share their pre-health experience at their respective universities and to compare the similarities and differences between theirs and the Berkeley experience.
1: My name is Tehej. I am a sophomore. I am majoring in MCB with an undetermined emphasis, but I'm leaning towards neurobiology or pathology, so that's a decision. Um, and yeah, so that's me.
0: Hi, I'm Christine. I'm a third year at UC Berkeley, and I'm um, a molecular cell and biology major.
2: And hello, I'm Brighton. I'm a first year. I'm also a molecular cell biology major, but I'm also doing another degree in business admin.
1: We are the American Medical Student Association chapter at UC Berkeley and the Culture of Medicine Committee. Our mission for the Culture of Medicine and these podcasts is to entertain, educate, and advocate for the pre-med and pre-health experience. Our podcast is called Before the Coats. And for our first episode today, we've invited some guests from other schools to share their pre-health journeys at their respective universities and to compare similarities and differences to the Berkeley experience.
0: Awesome. So let's get to it and bring in our guests. Our first guest is a third-year undergraduate student at UC San Diego studying human biology. Please welcome Jenny Chim. How are you, Jenny?
3: I'm good. How about you?
0: I'm pretty good. (laughs) And so our next guest is a third-year student studying physiological sciences at UCLA. Ladies and gents, please welcome Leia Slongo.
4: Hello. How, How are, are you? How are you? I'm, I'm good. Doing, I'm doing well, too.
0: <laughs> awesome. So why don't you guys maybe talk a little bit about yourself, why you guys got into medicine. I know Jenny's um, pre-PA and Leah's undecided, but pre-med. So you can talk a little bit about um, your journey, why you chose this path.
3: Uh, I guess I can start. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think pretty much most of my life I really thought, like, oh, like I could see myself working in healthcare in the future, but um, I didn't really have a set career in mind until I got to college and I discovered the physician assistant career. And I just really liked how, um, as a PA, you're able to switch to multiple specialties and there's kind of a collaborative environment where you're working with your physician. So, yeah. Yeah.
4: Um. I think for me, um, I've always kind of been interested in the health sciences. Um, I've, ever since like high school, I think science classes are what I gravitated towards the most. Um, but I think like over the past like two, three years, I think I've really seen like the different disparities that there are in medicine, um, in the healthcare field, and that kind of has emboldened me and like kindled me to want to be a part of the medical field because I see. A need for people who look like me to to serve in that capacity so yeah
0: awesome
2: so i was wondering then if you guys had to summarize sort of your pre-med experience uh at your university in like one or one few words what would you say um so you know I'll, i can go for a an example i would say something like hard as heck uh go bear." You know?
3: <laughs> 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 um a small incomplete sentence I said gas pedal on learning and that's not like just applicable to like inside the classroom but from other experiences throughout like your college career also because for me like I'm a third year so there's a lot of like trial and error that's happened and a lot of learning and growing from different experiences that I've had so yeah I just feel like I'm always like you know like you're pushing that gas pedal and you're not stopping i learning I can relate to that
4: (laughs) I think for me I would probably say probably similar to what y'all previously said but I think like challenging but rewarding I think there's definitely been hurdles and I don't know it's been harder I think than I expected like I didn't expect to go into and like breeze through it but still it's (laughs) been like pretty hard um but yeah I think there's been moments where I'm like wow this is definitely what I want to do and it's like made me like be like yeah I'm on the right path but it's still hard though so yeah
0: yeah I would go along the same lines and I said like challenging but growth I think the first two years of my college experience was more about finding myself and who I wanted Mm -hmm. to be and being confident like what you have to offer as a person um and as a physician
1: right and then I'd almost say like I said like almost like go at it yourself pretty much like as everyone else said because like Berkeley I just feel like doesn't really have the greatest resources to help their pre-med, like the people who are going into pre-med, right? Cause there's like no really hospital or like medical school. So like a lot of this, so like I came into campus just having no idea what to do. And like yeah. I had to learn a lot just from my peers. And then like joining AMSA and talking about like, oh, the MCAT application process, like that all really helped. But it was almost like, you almost have to seek out the opportunities for yourself because there's not really that support system that like other schools with medical schools have. so That's what I would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would feel the same thing. I think I didn't, uh, so I'm also a third year and I didn't really seek out uh, AMSA uh, Um, until my third year, which was, um, I felt in my sense like a little bit too late because I didn't really know the resources that were available at UC Berkeley because it's not correlated with a med school or it doesn't have a hospital there. And that's, Um, exactly why we wanted to have Leia and Jenny on this podcast as well so they could talk about their experience at different school that maybe has uh, resources that are more allocated towards that Um, so what would you guys say um, that was the hardest about your major or do you have specific classes which you hated or you didn't like so much or that you thought really made you feel like oh this is this is so interesting like this is what I want to do
2: Well, I mean, I think at a broad level, I think at like any university, there'll be professors who are there to teach, like really passionate about uh, helping others grow. And also those that are, you know, just there for their research and they're very passionate about that. So I know I've had both types. And um, I think really the best way to do it is to go on some teacher reviewing sites like uh, ratemyprofessor.com, where you can uh, take a look at other students' experiences and uh, judge for yourself whether you want to take that class
1: um yeah i'd honestly say like going into like those websites are really good but like what i did is i almost did like a trial basis where i just went into classes and was like oh, do i like this teacher or do i not But like i remember like fresh in your first semester like after taking ap chem like i got a good enough score to skip out of gen chem so i just went straight into okay and i was like you know what we'll just try it and see like if it's worth it if not i can always drop out but like i actually I really enjoyed organic chemistry both um, 3A and 3B just because the professor was so good. Um, professor Roback like you could just tell she was shoot you could tell she was super passionate about just teaching and like she was always dedicated in there for her students like she would go out of her way to make like just pre-made lecture notes where we had to fill in the blanks like problem sets like she didn't go out of her way to like screw her students. She didn't make like grading unnecessarily complicated right she didn't add like extra questions onto exams that like she hadn't taught us or like that she thought were too hard like everything she had gone over she taught us like we went extremely fast because like that's what ochem is it's just an extremely high-paced intense course but like i just learned so much from her and like i'll always be grateful because like honestly taking ochem is like really what pushed me down this path i was like yeah i like enjoyed this i enjoyed the class like i feel i can do more so now like we're taking some upper division biochemic and chemistry courses. So yeah, thank you, Professor Roback, if
3: you
1: ever listen to me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Maybe>.
4: <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's like a good point. I feel like in general, like there's always going to be professors that you like and that you don't like. I mean, we have something similar, Brewing Walk, where they have like basically students rating the professors. But again, like, I don't know, everyone has a different learning style. And there have been teachers that have been, like, rated really well and that I personally, like, just didn't gravitate towards because I just didn't like their their teaching style. So I think it kind of depends on you and also what your interests are. Like, for example, I hate physics. I'm very bad at physics. I didn't enjoy those classes very much. Um, but I also really liked OCHEM as well. Like, I didn't expect to like it, but it actually was kind of interesting and fun. So... I don't know, I guess going in with like an open mind um, and just being open to growth and improvement um, is really important. And I don't know if we're going to get into this, but go to office hours, like go, it's very important. So, yeah.
3: Wow, everyone with their good OCHEM experiences, (laughs) 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 because at least for me, I'm just not the biggest like chemistry OCHEM person, so OCHEM was pretty rough for me, and I remember one of the professors I had for OCHEM, like, he actually had, like, a pretty bad reputation of, like, yelling at his students, but when I actually took his class, he really showed to, like, really grow from the past, and he was really, you know, living up to those bad expectations that people were mentioning in, like, the read my professors and all that. I feel like that really goes to show, like, some professors, like, they do, like, listen to student feedback and really try to, like, take that into account, so... But yeah, other than that, I did take a biology of cancer class this summer, and the professor was super passionate about the topic, and I feel like that class made me feel like, oh, okay, I picked the right major, like, I'm on the right track, and yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I know it's so easy to say, like, these professors hate me, and these professors want me to fail, and stuff like that, but no professor actually wants that they just expect a lot out of you I think is what it is some people are more in tune with how much the students know and some people aren't (laughs) um and how much like they've actually taught their students um I was completely clueless when I made my first schedule when I was a freshman but um I think looking at sites like Berkeley time and I bet um UCLA or UCSC has a like a similar site where it's basically you can see Avid grades of courses, and usually I use a few like maybe my non-major classes, so I can see which ones have like an A average, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> or like um, course advice pages on Facebook, because people can go on there and um, ask like, oh, who's the best 3B or Chem 3B professor, which is um, our second semester of O-Chem. And then you can have people say what they, they want to say about it or whatever. Um,
3: yeah, yeah. Even at um UC San Diego, or at least for the division of biological sciences, like they have like a whole course catalog of like who's teaching for the entire year. So like this past year, like I like looked through and like see like oh which professor was teaching which quarter and kind of like planned my schedule for the year according to that. I mean it's subject to like changes, but like that's kind of how I also planned like who I wanted to take along with like looking at averages and reviews and all that. So.
1: Okay, and so, I mean, we've already talked like, a decent amount of it, but, like, which pre classes did you enjoy the most? So, like, obviously, we talked about o and then did you have any bad experiences with certain pre classes? Um, I don't know.
4: I feel like I haven't had any, like, glaringly, like, bad experiences that have, like, scarred me for, like, my entire college <laughs> career. But, um, in terms of, like, favorite pre classes, hmm... I liked bio. We have like 7C, which is like basically entire like physiology of like muscle systems. So we go into like the, ner- the nervous system. Like we-, we just talk about everything, all the body systems. Um, and I really enjoyed that class. I took it like the first corona quarter, though. That was disappointing because we didn't have like the in-person like lab portion. But the content was really interesting. And I think it kind of solidified for me um, wanting to go into physiology as my major. Um, so that was a cool pre prereq class. Um, I did say I enjoyed Ochem, but we did have like one class of Ochem, like one portion of it that was taught by like a new professor. Um, yeah, that was rough. He did not know what was, do- <laughs> what he was doing, and I was like taking that class along with like physics at the time. It was like fall, oh, I think. Yeah. Fall of 2019. And yeah, that was just like the worst 10 weeks of my life. Um, but I will say though, and this kind of goes back into the last question that um like ucla and ucsd like we are on quarter systems so the good thing is that if you really hate your professor at least it's only going to be for 10 weeks so you know it gets you get it over with um but yeah
0: i will say though if you are a bio major at berkeley this is it doesn't happen for chem but for bio classes you have three professors per semester and they have like three different sections so like I mean, if you don't like your professor, then they're going to change. And if you like them, well, it sucks. They're going to leave. So I don't know. So, uh, another thing to talk about is thoughts on grade deflation.
2: So, about grade deflation, uh, I'll say that Berkeley is absolutely like famous for it. I know that when I was choosing colleges, um, you know, my school's college counselor and all my friends, my parents, uh, they told me to avoid it if I wanted to maintain a high GPA, uh, get into a good med school. Um, you know that was good advice but honestly I don't think it will affect my experience too much so I was looking at the stats and based on how many people get accepted into med school in general I think you already have to be ahead of the curve to outdo uh, everybody else who's applying and so really the only difference with grade deflation is that uh, your GPA will reflect that um, but yeah I'm just a freshman though so I haven't experienced this too much uh, Yeah, so you stats? guys have
0: this phenomenon at your school or do you feel like it's it's really competitive or like everyone's there to help each
3: other out or like what do you think um I guess in San Diego like um I think it does like some classes do have grade deflation personally for me like throughout my whole three I haven't had a class where um grade deflation was a thing it was almost one of the classes I'm taking this quarter but they decided to change it so that they don't curve your grade down But yeah, personally, I haven't
4: had any classes with it. Yeah, I've had the same, like, experiences as Jenny. I think for a while, I think that was kind of more of a thing, maybe, like, a couple years before I got there. Um, But I think the science program has kind of tried to steer steer away from that just because it kind of fosters that kind of competitive um, atmosphere. So most of the classes that I've taken have been, like, they, they usually it's on a straight scale, at least for most of the ones I've taken. But if anything, if like the average is below a certain percent in the class, then they like grade up, but it has to be low. Like the average yeah. has to be low. But, um, yeah, I haven't noticed that personally, um, which I think is a good thing because, you know, when you have that kind of like grade deflation atmosphere, it can make it very competitive. Um, when people aren't really out to help each other and that doesn't create the best learning environment. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, I will say my um, my very first math course I took at Berkeley and the very first exam I took in that course, the lowest grade was a negative four. And so <gasps> <laughs> that did not make me feel bad. <laughs> and they would put out the averages, like the, the, like the lowest score and the highest score and the average before they put, they gave everyone else their test back. So you were just like praying that wasn't you. <laughs> um <laughs> So I think, I, I don't know necessarily in like grade depletion, but Berkeley definitely has like weirder courses where like everything will be super hard and a lot of people will switch out of their major to maybe like an easier major, than, or they're like, you know what, maybe I don't wanna do pre-med, I think I'm gonna do something else. Um, I've I talked to people like that, I like think they're pre-med one week and then I talk to them, to them the next week and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm not that anymore.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs>
0: Um, But there is a curve, right? So, like, that class also had a resurrection final where, like, if you did get on your final, it would cover one of your midterms or something. So, like, I haven't personally encountered a lot of people with that very competitive mentality that's, like, maybe, like, more toxic. I think that's, like, um, there, people like that definitely do exist, right? Like, if you find your right community, then it's perfectly fine. And, like, joining clubs that um, foster a pre-med community is definitely very helpful everyone there is always there to help you um but yeah there's always a curve but they will try I think it's like a little bit of a misconception for Berkeley but they will try to break you a little bit
4: I feel like so yeah I 100% (laughs) agree like in the beginning we had like leader out courses for sure like some of the prereqs and, like, I had people where I would talk to them one week, and I was like, oh, hey, I didn't see you <laughs> last week. And this one guy was like, yeah, I switched to architecture. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> hey, no but hate architecture. Yeah, no they definitely yeah, architecture. have
3: architecture.
4: Yeah, no hate. No hate architecture is cool. I just was like, wow, that's a 360. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was funny. Um, but, yeah, no, they definitely have reader out courses, but I 100% agree, like, finding, like, clubs and like orgs where that like community atmosphere is fostered is so important and I think having that gets you through like the pre-med experience for
1: sure yeah I would agree I'm not really sure if Berkeley has like the grade deflation like per its literal definition but I do think one of the things it has is almost like grade like kind of like grade suppression compared to especially when compared to like other colleges if you look at like the data like I know a lot of, like, private colleges, like Stanford and Ivy Leagues, are known for keeping their, like, students' GPA, like, really high. Like, I was looking at a couple, like, statistics and op-eds, and, like, like a couple years ago, like, only 14 out of, like, 120 majors had people with an average GPA of, like, 3.5, which is, like, incredibly, like... And, like, none of them were, like, those molecular biology majors that, like, you need for med school, which can almost seem, like, pretty demoralizing, right? And then, like, compared to, like, Stanford where, like, the average GPA was, like, a 3.6, which is, like, much higher than Berkeley. And then, like, I remember, like, in Ivy League, like, th- at Harvard, there was, like, an email saying that their most frequently a grade, uh, awarded grade was an A, and, like, their average was an A-, minus, which I just found super interesting. So, like, there's definitely that phenomenon, but, like, I feel like if you can get with teachers on the right page, like, they're always there to help you, and there's nothing really, like, unnecessarily, like, rough that they're doing. Like, they're not going to drop your grade, like, 20 points based on the curve. Unless uh, like just, honestly, it was just, like an extremely easy yeah. test or something like that. But, yeah.
0: So, did you guys go into college planning like a four year plan or did you kind of just wing it? Because that's definitely what I did. <laughs> I had no idea that people were making their four-year plans until maybe, like, my second year when everyone had already had everything, <laughs> um, but if you are at Berkeley, I definitely recommend that, especially because you can make your classes more efficient. I would not recommend going to, um, and most colleges have this where, like, you have a, a multiple colleges within your university, and then they that college has advising. I would not recommend going to that specific advising, I would recommend going to your major specific advisor because they know a lot more about your situation and like let's say most people in MCB would be pre-med students so like they would know which way to like to sway you. Um, so, what about you guys, did you have a four year plan or are you just still winging it? <laughs>
3: Or at least at um, UC San Diego, like, for each major, like, they have, like, a list, like, a schedule, like, a four-year plan for you to follow. But most of the time, like, you end up really just, like, switching it up, like, depending on, like, oh, if classes fill up or if they're not offered that quarter. So I didn't quit first, like, two years since I was just doing, like, the, like, prereqs and all that. It was pretty, like, to know, like, which classes to take. Um, but I didn't make, like, a four, like, a complete four-year plan. Pretty recently, um, because that was when I started taking my upper division, like human biology classes, and there's a lot of flexibility in, like, what classes and electives you can take, and so that was when I really had to, like, do some research and see what kind of electives I wanted.
4: Yeah, I, I'm really not good at, like, <laughs>
3: creating plans,
4: <laughs> like, I just am not, that's just not me. Um, a lot of my friends have that, a lot of my friends in pre-med, they create, like, their kind of four-year plan, um, but I just I don't know a lot of times I, I have like what Jenny has too where your like major has like the classes you need to take and they kind of outline it for you and you like roughly follow it based on like what classes you can get into um that quarter but it kind of just depends um so yeah kind of going with the flow a little bit but I have a general idea of where I'm going in terms of classes. <laughs> yeah, I had like um, <laughs> yeah I just follow the handout um but yeah I just I just kind of like go play it by year. That actually reminds me, I have enrollment like next week, I think. So I got like, <laughs> yeah, the coming up goal. too. <laughs> I <didn't> do
3: that.
4: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I kind of play it by your lane. but I think everyone's different. So mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
0: What about our freshman, Brighton? Mm-hmm. Have you made a four-year plan yet?
2: <laughs> okay, if I'm being real, I don't even know what I'm <laughs> for lunch, so <laughs> I am not good at planning. But <laughs> um, I will say that at Berkeley specifically um in my college the letters and sciences college it becomes a lot more important more plans plans because everybody goes into college undeclared and so uh you really have to know exactly what you're doing and what classes you want to take and specifically for me I'm applying to a dual degree program for biology and business and only 25 people get accepted a year so you really have to have like backups and backups and backup plans for uh, everything that doesn't work and I recommend that to everybody you know if you're if you have like what we call an impacted major where you have to apply and you might not get in, um, definitely start thinking about taking the prereqs for like uh, other majors, too, that you would also be interested in. Yeah,
1: so essentially we're going to move on to a second topic now. Where we're going to start talking about some resources that other colleges have that you have found pretty helpful. And so we're going to go with like, what resources have you have been most helpful for you as an undergraduate pre-med student? So, like, for example, at UC Berkeley, we have the Student Learning Center, like, meetings with pre-health advisors, uh, decals. There's one-unit courses that could be, like, health-oriented that are, like, not really graded just for, like, extra, like, experience, clubs, and then research programs such as URAP and SPUR. So, like, anything such as that that you have found helpful, you can just talk about there. So, yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know, I feel very fortunate. I think UCLA has a lot of, like, resources and programs to help you. Um, and I think especially for like underrepresented in my underrepresented, underrepresented, <laughs> yeah. I know I can't speak, and minority students, they have a lot of um, resources for you. Um, two that I particularly find really helpful um, are peers, which is a two year program for um, undergraduate students interested in like sciences. So it can be health or like physical sciences so like physics, things like that. Um, and so you have to apply to it, um, but if you get in, um, they provide you like with workshops for like all of your classes to kind of help you out. Um, they help you with planning your first year and then your second year, they help you um, find research opportunities. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I also met like basically all of my close friends um, and peers. So it's a pretty cool place. Um, and then also AAP um, is also really nice. Um They have this really cool building, which you wouldn't see right now because no one's there. But, um, it's really awesome. You can go there to get, um, counseling. They have like drop-in counseling from like pre-med advisors, um, and also just for general, like, sciences, general majors as well. Um, and then they also offer, um, PLS, which are like kind of like tutoring sessions a little bit. Um, that there's like a PLS there, um, like a peer learning facilitator and you apply or you like sign up for like a class that's like for like a PLS for your class. Um, and so they kind of help you with, like, um, understanding the concepts. They help you prepare for exams. So it's really cool. You have to, like, sign up to be an AAP, though. Um, but, yeah, they're there for you if you speak them out, um, which is great. Yeah.
0: yeah, that seems really similar to our, our student learning. I guess that makes sense. Peer Learning Center, Student Learning Center. Um, yeah, we have, like, <laughs> um, tutors for, like, a specific course, and they'll have reviews or something like that, which um, – and they have their own database of, like, questions that – are not correlated with, like, the they don't talk with professors, but they, like, have done the course enough where um, they have resources that would help, help you.
2: Yeah, so besides school, um, like, school-sponsored uh, organizations and stuff like that, um, I think it's super important to find a community of other students. Um, so, for example, I know that answer for me, has been uh, incredibly welcoming and supportive for oh, me. And Ryan. also, just talking to... <laughs> <laughs> and also like talking to classmen because they have a lot more experience than I do. They know what classes are harder, what professors are good, um, and also they can help you talk about like what kind of fields you want to go into in the future uh, after college.
0: Yeah, did you have something to add, Jenny?
3: Yeah, so um, at UC San Diego, like I think Leia like mentioned, like those like tutoring kind of like workshops. Um, we have something similar also called Oasis. It's the Office of Academic Support and Instructional Services. And for me, I took workshops, gen chem, ochem, and physics. And I feel like those workshops are really a safe learning environment to collaborate with others who are also struggling with this material. Because for me, I, like during my first like year or first two years, taking those like rigorous like prereqs, like those leader out courses, like oftentimes I really felt like alone and like behind compared to everyone else. And so. It was just kind of nice to like be around people who were also like struggling just so we could like struggle together. Um and those workshops are led by students also who have previously taken the class. So yeah, and then other than that, we have the writing hub. So I'm in Marshall College, so we take the Doc writing series. Um and so the Writing Hub offers a lot of um peer review for like papers that you might have and so you can just like schedule an appointment with them and like bring your paper in with you and they like go through everything and I thought that was a really helpful resource as well to get me through those writing courses um but yeah also adding like to what Brighton said about reaching out to upperclassmen because for me like a lot of the upperclassmen in my org like they were the ones who really told me like oh what classes classes to take or what different opportunities were available so yeah making those connections
0: awesome so UCLA and UCSD obviously we talked about have medical schools and hospitals connected to them so um do you feel like that has shaped or impacted your undergraduate experience more if it was more helpful or more convenient or you feel like research or hospital opportunities were more, more available to you
4: so yeah um we have David Geffen School of Medicine um obviously and then there's also um Ronald Reagan Medical Center which is where I um volunteer and do clinical research Um, so yeah, I think having those hospitals kind of right there has been really awesome and really helpful. I mean, literally like Ronald Reagan is just like five minutes, like a five minute walk from my dorm or was a five minute walk from my dorm, um, which was nice. Um, so yeah, I think it just kind of makes it, um, more accessible, but again, you do kind of have to like reach out for those opportunities yourself. They're not going to come to you. And I think that kind of comes with like putting yourself out there. Um, and I think. Christine and I talked about this like a long time ago. She probably won't well remember, but it's like I don't know if you will. <laughs> but like, um, just like kind of putting yourself out there and not being afraid to go to things by yourself. Like a lot of the things that, like, I got involved in, I had to do on my own, and I feel like I'm used to doing things with other people. Um, which isn't always the case. Um, in college, you kind of have to get used to being alone and trying new things, um, by yourself. But, yeah, I think the opportunities are there um, in terms of, like, pre-med, like, hospital research opportunities are there for you at UCLA um, specifically. You just kind of have to reach out. I have people. to say okay.
0: that I do remember that conversation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we were also talking about how, in col- like not just pre-med, but in college in general, especially, um, I know Brian has not experienced this because COVID has happened and he was get his first year, but we um, also talk about how you have to eat alone. Like sometimes your classes don't line up and you have to go into the dining hall and eat by yourself, which feels kind of stupid. It feels like you don't have, not. it doesn't mean you don't have any friends. It's just like you have a schedule. You have to eat when you want to eat and you just have to be comfortable being alone. It doesn't mean you're lonely. It just means that you're independent. You're doing things by yourself. Mm-hmm.
4: One
3: hundred percent. I'm glad you <laughs> remembered it. Wait, <laughs> wait, which then? question are we going
0: over? Um what? how do you think having a hospital and a medical center connected to you your school has been
3: impactful? Uh okay. I mean I I don't, don't know like how big maybe it has an impact on my life. Um but yeah, so um the UCSD School of Medicine is pretty much like right across the right across the street from like Geisel library and like our main campus and so like i'm currently working as a lab assistant in a lab like over on the medical school side of campus and it's just like really convenient to like you know it's just like right there um touching more on like the lab experience um as a lab assistant i like make stock solutions restocking and like sterilizing supplies and whatnot but i did recently start learning how to do like genotyping so like pcr gel shell which is cool because Um, like last quarter in fall, like I took a recombinant DNA techniques class and learned all about those different lab techniques. And so now I'm like actually like getting the hands on experience, which is nice. Um, but yeah, that's really getting into labs, like on the med school side of campus. Like sometimes it is difficult to get into. Like, I remember my first year I sent maybe over like 20, 30 emails to like professors and like people to see if like they would, you know, if they had like an opening in their lab. Um, I feel like it's best like hack through like talking to your TAs, professors, or even like because for me like um, the old president in my org like she was the one who connected me to my lab so yeah I think that's all I have to say (laughs) but yeah there's a lot of research opportunities available. That's a good point
4: Jenny like I didn't mention like I feel like like I met or I got into my lab, like, through, like, connections through like, other, like, organizations and stuff. Like, I found my lab through peers because we did, like, a networking night. So, like, a bunch of lab PIs came and we got to, like, talk to them and talk about, like, our recent or, like, previous experiences that we had and what we're interested in. Um. So, yeah, I do think, I, I feel like I probably deflated it a little bit. Like, it can be hard to find lab experiences if you're not, like, if you don't have the connections. But, um. Yeah, I think emailing is also really good. I mean, there are tons of like PIs who are looking for undergraduate students. So you kind of just have to like look for them, um, especially at UCLA. So like if you like go on like the professor's website, you can find a bunch like in your major, outside of your major, and their emails are there. You can look at their research, see if it interests you, and just mail away um, because they're there. Yeah, so for Berkeley, we have like something, we have like a URAP system, which is
0: like research. We have SPUR, which is research for specifically people in College like, um, College of Natural Resources, my apologies. Um, and then we also, I do think it was a little bit of a hindrance for me because I didn't know where to get medical or te- uh, clinical experience. There's definitely research because Berkeley is very huge on research, obviously. Um, we have surrounding hospitals, but they are a decent best way right, right away. If you've never been to Berkeley, it's very kind of like urban it's very it's a little city like so like not a lot of people have cars and they bus a lot so like they're decent bus right away I know people have labs in San Francisco where they go to so you have to take like an hour Bart, or you can rent a car or something but there are orgs at Berkeley that will allow you to have clinical experience that I didn't know about which are like the kidney disease screening awareness program where you can set up clinics to um, screen for kidney disease in low-income areas, or Suitcase Clinic, Berkeley Free Clinic, um, Casa that does um, service work, and there's other outside things you do, like being a scribe or EMT or a CNA.
2: Yeah, adding on to that, I will say that, um, especially during the pandemic, finding uh, experiences and internships outside of your school are pretty difficult. Um, I know for me, I am I get like daily emails on LinkedIn for research position openings, and even the entry-level positions, only recruit like juniors and above um some of them are like you have to have a bachelor's degree as well as two years of experience in a lab Um, i have none of that so uh, i've been looking a lot more into student organizations at berkeley and um i found those to be super helpful so amsa obviously uh, i joined but there's also a ton of other ones that work in uh also like the social work health uh, social work sector. And I would recommend also branching out to not just strictly research positions, but, um, you know, more interdisciplinary uh, organizations. So for example, this semester, I'm starting uh, management consulting for healthcare organization or healthcare startups. And I think that's like, fantastic, you know, you get more experience in both, like a ton of different fields, um, from business, business administration, uh, to, you know, learning how I guess the real world—the real world—works, and that's been really cool. That's awesome. Is Do you
0: have anything else to say?
1: I mean, I mean, I think you guys already said it, right? Like Berkeley, just because of like the, almost like the lack of resources on campus, it's like extremely hard to find something off campus. Like, there's good organizations. Like, I joined AMSA like last semester, like which is good. Uh, I applied to URAP. I'm so way waiting to hear back. So we'll see how, if that comes back in. And then just, like, with the pandemic and, like, being online for everything, it's just, like, it's become even harder. And so, yeah, so like, it looks like, honestly, like, this summer is going to be a pretty big summer, like, start doing some stuff, like, some clinical shadowing and stuff. But, yeah, I think everything mentioned already said, especially just, like, with the pandemic and the lack of opportunities. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Do you guys have any activities that you guys adopted to help you get more motivated or disciplined?
3: Mm, for me at least like during the pandemic like I've been like going on walks to my parents just to, like get out of the house because with like online learning like you're in front of your computer like the whole day and then you have like all these other meetings and you're in front of your computer the whole day and so it's just really important to go outside get some fresh air um what was it Monday night like I just like threw on a face mask and then like also watch the bachelor just to like unwind like just like anything that like you really enjoy and like have that like scheduled time like to like not do any work and just take some time for yourself which is so much easier to say than do because I am also like still working on that but yeah you really have to take care of yourself
4: yeah I 100% agree um with everything Jenny just said (laughs) But yeah, um, I think for me, I definitely have experienced burnout um, a lot. Like <laughs> it's like periodic. <laughs> yes. Same. same. Um, yeah. Um, I think like fall 2019 was really rough because I just had a lot of classes on my plate. Um, and then this past summer, I guess studying for the MCAT was an experience to say the least. Um, but
1: yeah,
4: it's definitely it's definitely rough. Um, but I think like Jenny said, taking the time um to just disconnect from your work or whatever you have going on to so just take some time for yourself. I think pre-pandemic, um, I really like going to sports games. That doesn't really happen anymore, but that was fun. Um, I think during the pandemic, um, really important to just do stuff away from the screen. So I also take walks with my parents, Jenny. It's very fun. Um, I do jazzercise with my mom, which is pretty fun. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, just, like, doing things away from the screen, I think, is really important. I don't think we realize how, like, long we are on, like, Zoom, like, every day now, which is, like, crazy. Um, So, yeah, just disconnecting is really important.
0: I know my high school teacher told me that to prevent literally dropping out of college, the only thing he cares about is that you got um consistent sleep so was like i don't care if you sleep at 1 p.m and wake up at 10 p.m as long as you're sleeping at the same time all the time then it reduces um this kind of like feeling of being like lost and depressed and so i i try to make sure that i didn't fall into the staying up till 4 a.m and then waking up at 1 p.m or something so i sleep at 12 p.m
4: up <laughs> <laughs> at 8 a.m always <laughs> Yeah. I also think, like, the people you surround yourself with is really important. Like, I feel like it's definitely easier to burn out if you're in a toxic environment. Um, It can really take a toll on you mentally. So just be around people that, you know, are kind to you um, and, you know, allow themselves some grace and yourself some grace as well. Um, So, yeah, I think, again, yeah, the people you surround yourself with very important. Um, Find a good group that you really click with and that motivates you uh, to be the best version of yourself
3: but yeah yeah I would definitely agree with that cause, um, I feel like like whoever your support system is like if you're like going through it like lean on your support system because I feel like a lot of times like I would like oh like you know like, I'm here for you but um like people won't like take up on the opportunity and like I'm also kind of the same where like my friends will tell me like oh like we're here to like support you do like all these challenges but like i kind of like use it to myself but like when you really like let that opportunity for your support system to really be there for you like they really
2: like show up yeah i've got just one piece of advice it's more high level um i know that a lot of my own friends started already burning out in like their first few weeks of college so uh and so i think it's really due to the fact that they didn't like really think about uh, exactly what they wanted to major in and go into in the future um and so my advice for solving this is, like, get involved in research. Uh, if you're in high school still, uh, you know, just try out reaching out to uh, local hospitals or clinics and get some hands-on experience uh, with the fields you want to work in the future. And that way, I think that you know, a lot of studying doesn't become work anymore if you're really passionate about what you want to do in the future. And, and then for me, uh, you know, I can deal with, like, hours of taking chem notes and studying for math and physics because uh, I can see how it directly relates to my career in the future. And it doesn't really become work for me that way. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you guys so much for coming on this podcast and talking with us about your experience. I want to end with maybe something that you guys wish you knew when you were going into the pre-health field or going into college and not really, because it's a big step. Like going into college is a huge step in like, knowing where you fit and knowing where you're going to get the best out of college is definitely really important. So is there anything that you just wish you knew, or you wish you took advantage of, but you didn't or a message you want to give to people who are pursuing the same path? You
4: know, without getting like too deep, I guess, I think going into UCLA, like that was just very big, like com- being a girl from like Mirror Mesa, that just felt so big to me. And I don't know. For a while, I felt like I just didn't belong, like I wasn't supposed to be there, that it was just like luck on my part. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think, I don't know, just kind of being more confident in yourself. I think I've grown with that or become more confident through my years, but I do wish I would have stepped in with a lot more confidence because I think it. me being like very like self-conscious held me back from like pursuing different opportunities, I feel like um so yeah I think just like knowing that wherever you go on your journey that you deserve to be there you're supposed to be there there's a reason for it um and just being intentional um with your choices and what you do um in whatever path that um you end up on so it's very vague
1: but yeah
3: um let's see I guess one piece of advice I would give to students is it's okay if I mean I guess Leah mentions something along the lines of like being intentional with like um, you know what you wanted to do but I think it's also okay to kind of not know like exactly like what you want to do in your future or for me like because I'm like pre-PA right but like you know I'm also like open to like you know other opportunities and like I just don't really know what's going to happen in the future and I remember because I went to like a like a alumni mixer for my org like a couple months ago And, like, I just remember, like, expressing to someone, like, oh, like, you know, I'm a third year, but, like, sometimes I feel like I don't really know what, like, I'm doing still. And um, this person, she's in dental school right now. She's like, oh, it's okay. Like, you're a third year. Like, you're still so young. Like, you still have so much time to, like, figure out what you want to do in your life. And I just feel like everyone's kind of, like, moving at their own pace. So it's really important to, like, know that, like, you're on your own journey and, like, you know, other people might be, like, in different parts of their journey and that's okay.
4: Jenny brings up a really good that was so good Jenny what are you talking about that was so good oh gosh, <laughs> like you like made me think of something that I didn't even think of like before like also don't compare yourself like it is so easy to compare yourself to other people and where they are in their path. but like Jenny said like your journey is your journey everyone's different and like progresses through their life at a different pace so just being patient with yourself I think is also important um and knowing that you'll end up where you're supposed to end up but yeah mm-hmm.
3: Also going back to the whole confidence thing. I forget where I heard this from, but someone mentioned like as a like a piece of advice, like remember that you're not special. Like if everyone else can like achieve these amazing things, like you can too. Like what makes you the exception of not being able to like accomplish those same things? So yeah, that's something I kind of like keep in my mind. Like, oh I'm not that special, I can do it too. So
0: <laughs> I thought you were gonna go a different way with
4: that. Same. Oh. same. I thought I she was gonna say like, "Yeah, you are not special. Everyone is just as good as you." And I was like, "Okay."
3: Oh, like you are just as good as everyone else. <laughs> um,
0: I would, to that note, I would say the exact same thing. Like the the first week I was at Berkeley, imposter syndrome is just a thing that um I feel like it's always prevalent. Um, I just remember thinking that everyone else was so extraordinary and that like I didn't know why I was there. Like there was like champion motocross racers. This girl did gymnastic on like horses and went to like the Olympics and all these people were doing all these things <laughs> and they like were like, Oh, I went to India and like fed the children and like did all this stuff and they asked me what I did and I was like, Oh, I um worked with and I taught kids how to play soccer and that was it (laughs) and I just felt like I was so much less than them and like that's definitely not the case everyone is where they are with the cards that they've been dealt and that you have your own journey so with that Sahej do you have anything else to say
1: no not really I think you said it all just like the, what would I say just like honestly just like get involved earlier like for me, like the mistake I made was like I feel like in both high school and college I was like oh I'm gonna take a semester just to get integrated. So like first semester I didn't really do anything. Like same thing happened in high school. And then in high school I transferred. That's a whole other story. But like I feel like I just haven't learned really the lesson I should have, which was like you know get involved with clubs and other things. Like just as soon as you enter, like it might feel like it's a huge change from high school, especially with classes. But like. Once you get to know more people, I feel like it becomes a lot easier. And just, like, I didn't really do that. So, like, I just feel like that's a good piece of advice I'd give to someone else. Just, like, get involved. I mean, I know we hear the same thing, but it's just, like, we hear the same thing from all the counselors and stuff. But it's, like, the one thing that everyone really should do. And, yeah. And just make sure, like, you have those backup activities. Like, especially now that we're in the pandemic. Like, we spent more time, probably, online learning than we have at campus. I know for Brighton, like, he hasn't (laughs) even been on Berkeley campus yet. For me, like I only spent a semester and a half and now I spent like two and a half semesters doing online learning. So like and it's just been really like I know it's been really taxing on everyone. So just like having like backup options Is that something you can do to like get your mind off stuff. Like I go for bike rides, go for runs, like I got a job, like I'm an Uber Eats driver now, so that's good. But like, yeah. <laughs> so, like oh, <laughs> I know it's weird, but it's like just like, driving, like even delivering just like feels like really good to me so just like get involved like have backup options and just make sure like school doesn't dominate your life and yeah that's all I would say awesome
0: well thank you guys so much for coming on this podcast Great talking to you guys.
1: yeah thank you
3: yeah thanks so much for having us yeah thank you
4: peace <laughs>